0: Welcome to the Crown Council Mentor of the Month program. It's Steve Anderson and I am excited to welcome back to our program today, one of the Crown Council favorites, Daniel H. Pink. Uh, Last time we visited, uh, Dan had just finished his book entitled Drive, which was all about the science of motivation, which has become a favorite among Crown Council dentists all over the world. Today, we're gonna talk about timing. Uh, We've all heard that timing is everything, we're all familiar with that, uh, that phrase. Uh, And we're going to talk today about some very specifics about timing, especially as it has to do with dentistry, uh, including when you should schedule your most difficult patients, uh, when you should schedule your continuing education, uh, how does block scheduling impact treatment outcomes, What is the ideal time to present comprehensive care? uh, Does when you interview a prospective employee, uh, if that impacts your hiring decision? And when in your dental career, are you most likely to hit rock bottom? And what you can do about it. So Dan Pink is gonna show us how timing is a true science. He's done some amazing research in this area. Uh, Just to bring everybody up to date, uh, Daniel Pink is a student, he's a practitioner, uh, he is a mentor of motivation and all kinds of other topics. Uh, He graduated Phi Beta Kappa, so this is uh, a smart guy from Northwestern University. Also holds a law degree from Yale, Uh, spent over two years as a speechwriter in the White House. He is the author of several books, including Drive, which we've already mentioned, and his latest book entitled "When: The Scientific Secrets of Perfect Timing," which has made several best-selling lists, including the New York Times bestseller list for four months running. Uh, he uses cutting-edge research and uh, and then draws some very fascinating conclusions that we're going to talk about today. So, Dan, welcome back, and thanks for being with us. Thank you, Steve. It's good to be back. So talk to us first about what led you to, to research timing. You've uh, you've researched a lot of topics over the years. This one I found fascinating. So uh, what was the what was the entree to this? You know, the, the,
1: I guess the entree was frustration more than anything else. Uh, I was making all kinds of timing decisions in my own life. Uh, everything, I mean, I'm talking to you from my, my office, which is the garage behind my house. So when should I do certain kinds of work? Uh, when you know, I have a list of things. If I have a list of things to do, it uh, doesn't matter when I do, like what sequence I do them in, what should I do first, what should I do last, what should I do early in the day, what should I do late in the day, and um, when should I ex- when in the day should I exercise, when should I start a project, when should I abandon a project that's not working. And I was making these decisions in a very sloppy, ill informed way, and that was frustrating to me. Uh, so i started looking around for guidance about how to make those like, these, these decisions in a smarter way it didn't really exist and as you mentioned before the last few books i've written have taken a, a dive into the social science i said well i wonder what kind of research there is on there in this question and to my amazement there was a huge amount of research i mean i mean literally you know multiples several multiples in volume than what i expected And it was spread all over the place in a number of different disciplines. And I found that it was hard work, but I found that if you go wide enough and deep enough into this research, you can begin to piece together the evidence-based ways to make smarter, shrewder decisions about when to do things. As you were saying in your intro, in the course of a day, which is extraordinarily important, but also in the course of all the episodes of our life. um and, and for me, you know, it is like any kind of medical care, whether it's dentistry or or any anything else. I mean, you know, y- y- you want if you're a practitioner, you want to make decisions based on evidence. And and if you're a patient, you want to have a practitioner who is listening to the evidence. You know, there might be folklore about what makes teeth strong, but I don't want a dentist who is operating based on folklore. I want a dentist who knows the latest science and is making decisions based on that. And I think this is a way to import that into, you know, I I think it's, I think there's some lessons in it for dentists, but I also think that there's broader lessons for all of us.
0: Perfect. All right. So if we can start, let's dive into the research first. Dentistry obviously is a service industry. It is 100% dependent on the people that are delivering the service, dentists, hygienists, team members, the whole deal. So let's start with the person. Can you address the things that uh, the research says about uh, times of day and how that impacts personal performance from morning, midday to night yeah. In terms of what, what we are subject to as individuals in our own personal performance.
1: Sure. Okay. So th- let me give you the, the very, very big picture, and then we'll it will zoom in at, to the unit of one. The very big picture is this, and, and, it, and it's important, and, and, and I think it's one of the biggest lessons of the book, and one of the things that really surprised me. The le- most important lesson is our cognitive abilities, our brain power, does not stay the same throughout the course of a day. Our cognitive abilities change over the course of a day. That's a big deal. I wish someone had told me that earlier. I, I, mean, I mean it very seriously because, right. because um, if I'm feeling less mentally sharp at different times of the day, I looked at it as a sign of moral weakness, as a sign of you know being a wimp or whatever. When in fact, like that's how it is. All right? right, our cognitive abilities don't stay the same throughout the day; they vary. Uh, the or, or the the variance is significant, and that the difference between the daily high point and the daily low point can be big and then the other thing is is that what we the best time to do something depends on what it is we're doing all right so that's like the framing to think about it in the big picture then when you get to the more granular levels of it what you see is is the following that most of us go through the day in three stages there is a peak a trough a recovery peak trough recovery now about 80 percent of us go through the day in that order peak at earlier in the day, trough midday, um, recovery later in the day. People, the the one in five of us who are night owls, um, they're different. They're much more complicated. Uh, they go through the day, kind of sort of recovery trough peak. But the main thing for them is that they hit their peak much later in the day, much later in the day. Now my hunch, and it's only a hunch, I don't have the evidence of this is that most dentists, most practitioners are I, I, i'm imagining the relatively few owls who are in dentistry right. because it is a profession that usually just the nature of it and even probably i don't know what that well, but maybe even the training for it often starts in the morning like like yeah you have to, yeah like like an hour would be kind of miserable um <laughs> in, in, right I, I think that's right like i like I, I i don't again i don't know this steve i'm just speculating my right. guess would be that 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 um, that owls would opt out of that kind of profession. You see a little there is a little bit of evidence of this in professions like surgery. so mm-hmm. dentistry, depending on what you're doing, right. you know can be a form of surgery. Um, you could also um, and also in in school teachers, uh, which is another thing that starts pretty early. So okay. let's just say that the typical dentist she works she she goes in the day peak trough recovery. okay now peak early in the day. The peak is when we're best at analytic work. And, and I think that's, uh, that's what the research says. I think the the most important aspect of this is in the the research for your listeners is that that during the peak, that's when we are most vigilant. Okay. What does it mean to be vigilant? Being vigilant means that you are able to bat away distractions, keep them at bay. All right, so during our peak, which for, for most people is earlier in the day, that's where we're most vigilant. That's where we should be doing work that requires vigilance, where you have to be locked down and focused. Um, now, the trough. The trough is early, the, the, the middle of the day, um, the, sort of the early to mid-afternoon. Um, the trough, that, and that's when most of us hit that trough, usually about seven, eight hours after, after waking. That's a really bad time for people. I mean, the data on this are amazing. I and mean, we can get to some of the data on what happens in, in, in hospitals at in that period of the day. But <laughs> the evidence is overwhelming. Like, we just don't perform very well during that period. Uh, and I think it's interesting that my dentist's office, and I was telling you before we got on the air, that just ironically, I, lit- I mean, literally was at the dentist two hours ago. I love it. Um, and my dentist's office, actually, I have a great dentist and my dentist's office, her dentist's office, the dental office that she works in, she, they shut down the office between like 1230
0: and 30 or something like that.
1: Right. And I, is that a fairly common practice?
0: Yeah, a lot of, lot, lot of dentists do. They take lunch for- Yeah, for, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah.
1: <clears throat> and I think that ends up actually, that's, that's actually a pretty smart idea from their point of view and from the patient's point of view. Anyway, right. so we got that trough. And then later in the day is when we, um, later in the day is the recovery period. Recovery period is interesting because our mood goes back up, but we're less vigilant and the combination of elevated mood and lack of vigilance makes it a good time for things that require a little bit more mental looseness, creative, iterative, brainstorming kinds of things. So uh, forgive this long-winded answer, but the gist of it is this. Peak, things that require vigilance and analysis. Trough. Stuff that doesn't require much creativity or brain power, administrative kinds of work. Okay. And thanks to our healthcare system, there is a lot of administrative work, unfortunately, in right. dental offices. And recovery is when we're best off doing more kind of creative, um, insight kinds of kinds of work.
0: And those are the broad. Those are those are the broad. Those are the broad principles. Perfect. All right. So here's a, here's a specific question. If you, based on the research, yeah, if you were going to <clears throat> Uh, suggest, recommend, the best time for a weekly team meeting that would last an hour to 90 minutes max, where we're going to work on the practice, we're going to look at uh, how we can do things better, how we can improve, those kind of things. What time of day for the typical person based on peak trough recovery?
1: Okay, great question. Uh, I'm going to give you two answers to it, though. All right. The, The first answer is, I would wish, I wish everybody would ask that kind of question. Okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, really, I, I really do. Cause most people don't ask that question. They just pick a time. They basically schedule our meetings and things in every organization based on availability. All right. Instead, and so, of,
0: when instead, the of, instead,
1: instead of the very question that you are asking. All right. Okay. And so, so my, my first answer is test it so we don't know <laughs> like we don't know we have to have some humility about what's going to work and what's not going to work so try it at one time of a day for one week try it another time of the day for another week see if there's any difference okay that said i'm going to give you a, hypo- a, hypo- a, hypo- a hypothesis about what would what might work best and it's Kay. this if you are talking about if the meeting requires a little bit of looseness you're not talking about um wow you know mrs rodriguez um has a really serious dental problem, and we can't quite figure out what it is, and we really need to be locked down and focus on solving it. That's not the kind of meeting you're talking about. You're talking about how to improve the practice more generally, right? Yeah, I think so. So I would actually have those um, uh, uh, later in the day. Okay. Um, not early in the day, uh, where people are in a better mood and people are <laughs> a little bit mentally looser and might be able to see around corners a little bit better and might be able to um you know be actually in some ways less vigilant and because because vigilance sometimes gets us vigilance is very good in many kinds of things but sometimes vigilance is like well no that's a bad idea because we've never done it that way. Right. And so the vigilance keeps out the creativity. So my guess would be later later in the um later in the afternoon. And um I think there's probably something to be said for doing it um where possible, you know, off site or okay. Um, you know, we're a change of scenery too. I would experiment, I would experiment with that.
0: So uh root canals in the morning, where uh, detail and vigilance and focus is I required. want my
1: endodontist to be vigilant,
0: right?
1: <laughs> right. I'm serious.
0: Right. And, and, and the meeting on how to market the practice in the afternoon. Boom. That's right. it right so there. Creativity uh, well, in the afternoon. Late, late afternoon, late afternoon. Not Got during it. the trough period, but
1: late afternoon. No, but late yeah,
0: later later
1: late in after, the day. Late afternoon and early, early in the day. But absolutely, if I had a root canal, unfortunately, I've never had a root canal. Um, um, although I actually, I mean, no joke, I was actually at the Entodontist this week, too. It's just, it, it's crazy this, this week. Um, we can share all of my <laughs> dental history with you here. It's all
0: the, here. It's all. It's all an amazing. open
1: book or an I open mouth, it. at least. Um, the, um, yeah, so if I had a root canal, if that's so why I a patient, um, there is no way on God's green earth I would schedule a root canal for myself or anybody I cared about in the afternoon. Period.
0: All right. So, will you touch on the research yeah. and what you found in yeah. healthcare medical yeah. terms? Because this was uh, not unexpected, and it was jaw dropping. Uh,
1: yeah, I'm with you. the The numbers are pretty
0: compelling, and there's some there's some
1: really really excellent research and the research is looking at uh, most of it is looking at very very large data sets from multiple hospitals so it isn't so and and to me when you do that you you end up because of the size of the the data set and the breadth of the different kinds of hospitals you're seeing something <laughs> that isn't isolated because oh well this hospital treats it has mainly a uh, geriatric patients, and that's really what's driving it, rather than these other kinds of effects. So you, you end up smoothing out a lot of those kinds of things. But the gist of it is this: I'll give. You, uh, let's let's uh, so let's talk about something relevant to uh, 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 endodontic endodontist practice, which is uh, anesthesia. Um, okay. anesthe- anesthesia errors four times more likely at three p.m. than at nine a.m. Four x difference. Uh, if you look at hand washing, I know. If you look at hand washing in hospitals, this is why. Again, I'm going to reveal the whole pink family. <laughs> history. My daughter, who is coming home from college this summer, is going to have her wisdom teeth taken out. She's 19 years old, and believe me, her appointment because she's going to have general anesthesia for that for those wisdom teeth extraction. Yeah. eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Um. So, uh, So anesthesia, hand washing in hospitals, huge decline in the afternoons. Really? Uh, if, huge. Um, some really, really good research on that from Katie Milkman at Penn and Brad Statz at U- University of North Carolina. If you look at, okay, there's a, uh, if you look at colonoscopies, colonoscopies, doctors find half as many polyps in afternoon exams as they do in morning exams for the exact same population. Yeah. Because so they're just not as vigilant in the afternoon in terms of looking boom. At all this stuff. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, so I think that for, so when you're talking about root canals, we are talking about things that require, you know, pretty significant vigilance. Um, you want to get those done uh, in, in the morning. And so, you, you know, you, you mentioned earlier this this idea of block scheduling, where you put your most difficult and important procedures first. I think that's generally a good, uh, generally a good move in most dental practices. Data supports and, that. And, and again, you know, again, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of joking about, I'm not joking, but I mean we're sort of making light of the decisions I'm making in my own dental care. But but I'm but 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 truly, like now, like I am absolutely comfortable going in for you know a six-month routine cleaning and checkup in the afternoon. I have no Good I have man. no I have no problem with that. <clears throat> not as no much problem.
0: vigilance required there.
1: I have absolutely no problem with that, and the people who are doing this are are I, I have a full faith in my dental office and the people who are doing it are professionals. And cleaning my teeth doesn't require root canal level vigilance all right however for other kinds of things so for i mean again i'm going to i'm going to reveal everything here so (laughs) i have um uh in my old age steve my teeth have started to move a little bit in ways that were kind of unexpected so i am going to have in i'm going to get invisalign sweet okay (laughs) so um and um but my first appointment for invisalign uh to to so, to get the initial trays and everything like that is I've scheduled it for 8:30 8:20 in the morning um, because that cuz I want my doctor who my my dentist who's outstanding to be super vigilant and locked in on that I know it's the beginning of this long process so I want to make sure that I'm vigilant and paying attention to the instructions so that I can comply um, whereas I had the I'm going to reveal everything here whereas whereas I had the initial appointment to have the the molds, I think the impressions, the, the impressions made so that they could send them off where it's basically just, Hey, put some foam in here. And right. like, I had that done in the afternoon, Whatever. so I wouldn't sacrifice my good work time for, for that. But I'm willing to sacrifice my good work time for the vigilance of an expensive, um, uh, you know, probably year long process to move my teeth in different positions
0: because In my old age they've moved out of line right. so along with that okay so let's that's on the the procedure side can we take a step back and let's talk about decision making okay Okay, great let's take uh dan pink's going in to talk about his invisalign cases see this is basically a full mouth procedure which you know maybe it's invisalign maybe it's veneers but but you're going to make a significant financial decision regarding yeah. your healthcare. What time of day am I as a consumer most likely to make a, <clears throat> a favorable decision or the right decision?
1: The right decision. Okay. So when <clears throat> it's favorable to the patient. Um, right. Yeah. So um, uh, there's some really good research on this and I'll give you the general, I'll give you the general principle. What it seems is that well, let me take two steps back and talk about decision-making in general because that'll, that'll get us here. When we make decisions, when human beings make decisions, we usually, and, and especially when we're confronted with a decision, okay? Wow, look at this. Do you, looks like you might want, veneers might be good for you. Do you want veneers? Wow, you have like a lot of movement over the last few years here. What's got, do you want invisible, okay? So when you're confronted with a decision, when we make decisions that we're confronted with, we usually come to that encounter with a default decision in our back pocket, and the default decision is generally no, all right for anything. So forget about dental care. Let's say you Court, go to
0: course Ac- of lease resistance is no.
1: Exactly. You have to do anything. Okay. Bingo. So like like if you go to ask your boss, you know, forget about dentistry. You're you're working for the Acme Widget Company in their corporate headquarters, and you go to ask your boss for a raise. Her default decision is going to be no. No. Right. You're right. selling. Um, you're selling medical devices to hospitals, and their default decision is going to be no, right? Status so, quo. Bingo. So, when are people likely to overcome the default in their decision making? And it looks, based on the research, it looks like they're s- somewhat more likely to overcome the default. That is to push back against the default decision, which is, in, is almost always no or status quo, as you're saying, early in the day and immediately after breaks early in the day and immediately after breaks. okay. Um, that's when people seem to be more likely to overcome the default. How and can I, so. On just on like just judicial decision-making and so forth that gives us clues about that.
0: So So let's address the immediately after a break. What does a, let's look at a patient situation. What does a break look like? Is this when somebody's out of their regular routine, they're not, Doing business as usual they've had their mind on something else where they've gotten a mental so characterize a break for me
1: um it's okay so a break is 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 typically a moment where or or a a a, a block of time not enormous like it literally can be like five six ten minutes where they are fully detached from their day to day so a break isn't i'm sitting in the uh, waiting room of the dental office, uh, responding to work email. It is, it's something like, um, like, um, uh, I gotta give you an, again, example from my own life. So, so my dentist is their dental office. And my, my wife goes to this dental practice too, is, um, it's walking distance from my house. It's about a mile away. Um, and so if I, so that walk to the dentist's office, if I'm not like, like if I'm <clears throat> taking a walk to the dentist office, that's pretty break. much a break. If I'm on a if I'm like on a phone call while I'm walking, that's not a break. So that kind of yeah. thing. Too. And that's hard for from the from the from the dental office's point of view. It's very hard to know when your patient is going to have had a break. You know, um,
0: but uh, there there is some room here to create some space in that dental appointment sure. where where they get a break. Absolutely, so. absolutely right. Everything that's going on. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, all right so I'm going to go back to timing for just a minute as it has to do with personal performance dentistry is a very physically demanding profession Yeah yeah moving yeah. all day yeah, when you know yeah, what people do things yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, physical exercise is a key component of being able to perform long term Sure long-term. Sure So you did some fascinating research on exercise and the timing mm-hmm. of exercise and when is the best to do certain things To talk to us about that quickly.
1: Yeah. So, so the, the, uh, when it comes to exercise and, and timing, it really depends on what your goals are. So it's, it looks like morning exercise is best for people if they're interested in losing weight. Although there's a lot of research lately showing exercise is less powerful for weight loss than we might think. Um, it's, um, better for morning exercise seems better for habit formation, just because if you exercise later in the day, you might get busy and have it, you know, not have knocked away. And then also the other thing is that exercise, and this could be very important for, for dental practice, uh, exercise gives people, um, aerobic exercise gives people a pretty significant mood boost and that mood boost lasts a, a decent amount of time. Oh, and so if yeah, and so if you exercise late in the day, you could end up. You're going to get that that mood boost is going to be shortened because you're going to be sleeping during some of it. Okay, that's the that's the that's the case for morning exercise.
0: You have happy sleep. sleep if you exercise
1: in the afternoon. The case for <laughs> afternoon exercise is a little bit different. <clears throat> afternoon exercise, you're more likely to avoid injury. Afternoon exercise, uh, because again, uh, changes in body temperature, which actually ends up being a much more important aspect of our physiology than I ever would have imagined so so changes in body temperature our body temperature peaks around you know late afternoon and early evening so um so you're so you're literally more warmed up your life's likely to injure yourself to uh people report uh, enjoying exercise more at that time of day finding it less effortful and that can actually aid in compliance and then uh, performance is better to the extent. So especially for so at that time of day, basically between late afternoon and early evening, uh, lung function is higher, hand-eye coordination is greater, uh, speed is greater. Uh, and that's something I need a lot of help with the speed. And, um, <laughs> and 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 so it really depends on it really depends on your it really depends on your own goals and your own personal preferences. For me, um, the Uh, I I find morning exercise really, really effortful. Uh, I never enjoy it where when I exercise later in the day or in the early evening, I I actually enjoy it more. And when I enjoy, you know, if you enjoy it, you're more likely to,
0: you're more likely to do it. Love it. Uh, Let's switch gears to the education front. Dentistry is a profession that requires a tremendous amount of continual, continuous education. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Dentist team members go to a lot of courses. Yeah. That are, you know, typically classroom kind of settings uh, that are not always structured to be uh, in the timing aspect, uh, probably violate a lot of the rules that you know, yeah. research has found. So uh, we all go to education suggestions you have based on your research. If I'm going to a two day educational course, what can I do to manage the timing so that I get the most out of that course, knowing why you've just shared about peak trough and recovery. Yeah. Um, again, I mean, I think it, go, it goes back to, depends on the kind of training that you're,
1: you're, you're well, if it's pure train, training, the very nature of the word training suggests a certain amount of vigilance. It's like, mm-hmm. how do I understand this set of procedures and how do I do them in a way that is, 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 is correct. Uh, I think that for, in general, for most people, those are, better done early in the day rather than late in the day. Um, but I also think that one of the things that I don't think goes on enough is is breaks. Uh, we know a lot more about the science of breaks. And we should be taking, in general, more breaks. And we should be taking certain kinds of breaks. And so the idea of sitting in a classroom for three hours consecutive is, is just not a good idea. Human beings just don't learn very effectively that way. Uh, you're better off. Uh, and 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 I can understand that, uh, you know, as a as a teacher saying, oh man, wait, uh, yeah, I got a lot of stuff to cover, so let's go for the <laughs> reality, rather than have some schmo say to me, you know what, you're better off doing forty-five minutes and a fifteen-minute break, forty-five minutes and a fifteen-minute break. 45- oh, my God, that's three fifteen. Minutes. I'm sacrificing forty-five minutes total of this. You're crazy, and <laughs> <Right>. that's not <laughs> what I used to think. But I actually, those breaks actually are much more important to learning then we, um, those, those breaks are much more important to learning than we think.
0: So even if you were- And also, uh, and
1: also, and also I mean, truly getting a full night's sleep before and after um, is incredibly important in learning.
0: I mean, staying out all night drinking is not a good idea if you're going to a CE course? Uh, you know, it depends on what the <laughs> course is on. If the course is on <laughs> drinking, that's probably a good idea. Um, Got it. So, there is, um, so there, is some, there is some scientific basis in the importance of breaks. Real quick, talk to me about napping.
1: Um, you know, again, I'm not sure this is ideal for all dental practices, but the science of on naps is, is pretty persuasive. Naps are pretty darn good for us. Uh, uh, naps are, uh, I mean, we're, you and I are talking during the week that the Stanley Cup finals are being played and featuring a team from my adopted hometown of Washington, D.C., and so, I, so you know, I'll use this analogy. Naps are Zambonis for our brains, so that, you know, you get all of this, these nicks and scuffs on your mental ice during the course of a day, and a nap can come out and just kind of smooth it all out, but the best naps are remarkably short, really between 10 to 20 minutes long. If you nap longer than that, you begin to develop what's called sleep inertia, which is just that groggy, boggy feeling that you get, so... Uh, So super short naps, 10 to 20 minutes long uh, can be extremely, uh, extremely effective. And so if you have, you know, particularly arduous day, uh, I I don't think it's a bad idea for one of your team members to go into a dark room with a couch and, um, you know, try to take a 15 minute nap Um, that might actually improve their performance when they wake up.
0: Or, or even would your research suggest that <clears throat> if I've got, if I'm a dentist and I'm going in to do a, you know, relatively complicated procedure in the afternoon, mm-hmm. just because of that, taking a break beforehand will somewhat improve my performance versus just motoring through it.
1: Yeah, generally. And, and what I would do is, um, I mean, they're different, you know, the kind of breaks that we're talking about, what we've been talking about are, are really, uh, uh, you know, restorative breaks. How can you replenish your mental energy and your alertness? Uh, there's another kind of break that we can think of as a vigilance break and so if you are, uh, so if you're going into an important procedure in the afternoon uh, you know there's a, well, I mean just in general, but afternoons in particular, there's a pile of evidence showing that having a checklist is enormously important. Um, that if you're doing anything complicated uh, in medically that having like, you know, before you begin the procedure and you're doing it with a team. And, and I write about this a little bit when I went to the university of Michigan, uh, uh, hospital, uh, to stand in on some surgeries, um, that these literally be, the team before they even began the surgery took literal, a literal step back from the table, had a timeout and, and went through a checklist and that kind of vigilance, like I would, that, that to me is, is, um, is is even more important
0: than taking uh,
1: more important than taking a, a short break.
0: Let's talk about the uh, the extent of a career. When is the average person most likely to hit the bottom point of the trough <laughs> in their career? Right, because from from your research, it sounds like careers and kind of life in general. Follows this same general pattern of sort of. I mean, there there are patterns. There are there are patterns, and when the most prominent
1: pattern over the course of a lifetime is is what's called a, a U-shaped curve of well-being. Where in our twenties and thirties we're generally pretty happy. Uh, our well-being goes down in our forties. Uh, in our fifties, it generally hits the bottom. It's not a midlife crisis. The bottom doesn't fall out, but it's a <laughs> it's, it's, it's sort of a, a U-shaped curve. And then after our mid-fifties or so. It begins to it begins to tick back up, and and the, the interesting thing about this particular pattern, this U-shaped curve of well-being, is how remarkably consistent it is. Uh, so there's very little difference between men and women in that curve. Uh, there and, and also I think most tellingly, there's there's very little difference in uh, nationalities. Uh, this mm. that, this curve has been detected in something like seventy something countries. So if I were to show you. The, the, the curve of well-being for the United States, and then, or if I were to show you a curve of well-being and say, here's one curve of well-being, here's another one, here's another one, and say, one of these is from the United States, one of these is from Denmark, and one of these is from the United Arab Emirates, you would be hard pressed to tell me which was which
0: so give us the why behind that why, why do you shape curves
1: yeah i don't know um i don't think we know all we know is is all we know is this correlation i mean i think that we can we can speculate i don't know if the speculation is right um i think that when we um uh i i think that when you get to that point this is pure speculation i think that when you get to that point in life that middle period in life um, mm-hmm. some harsh realities begin to settle in. So let's say that you're working at a company and, you know, you turn out, oh my gosh, only one person gets to be CEO and it's not <laughs> going to be me. Um, I think that in our twenties we envision, well, of course, I'm going to become CEO of this company. Right. Like, wow, of course. Uh, and so in your, you know, early on, you're like irrationally exuberant. And then you, you deal, you reckon with all of that. Um, you know, you have, um, you might, Start a marriage in your 20s or 30s, being very optimistic about that, and then it crumbles. And, you know, um, that brings down your well being. People face dual pressures sometimes of raising kids and dealing with aging parents. That's the period of life where it does that. Um, But I think what's interesting about that is that you end up ticking back up. Um, That is, when you get a little bit older, I think what people do is they have. they have this irrational exuberance early, perhaps. And again, I just want to emphasize how much I'm speculating here, right? The, <clears throat> the, the irrational exuberance early. And then afterwards you have a kind of a recalibration. You say, well, my life is pretty good. Like I've done a pretty good job at work and I'm making a contribution. And the person who did become CEO, I mean, he's actually miserable and he just got fired and um, I got a nice family and um I'm um, in pretty good, you know, and people just, you know, uh, think about the context a little bit more. There's a, a move, interesting, again, speculative there, you know, we talk about the wisdom of, that comes with age. And I, I actually think there's some evidence of that, of mm-hmm. that when you get older, you become, a lot of evidence that you become a little bit more emotionally intelligent, a little bit more empathic, um, and a little bit more able to m- understand the context of situations rather than the explicit text. And so when you could put things into context, <clears throat> you're more emotionally intelligent and you're more empathetic with others, and that probably will ch- trigger at least some self-compassion as well, you actually recalibrate
0: your views of your own life. So takeaway here is if you're in your late 40s, early 50s. You're screwed. No. It but, ain't gonna get much worse. you right? all, it's only gonna get better.
1: Listen, the the, 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 the the exact rock, the exact bottom in some of the best research. Um, this is research from Angus Deaton, at who's a Nobelist at Princeton, yeah. showed that the, the, the bottom point for U.S. Men, males in the United States, the age at which the statistical bottom for men in the United States is fifty-two point nine years, to be exact. Yeah, and I am <laughs> and I am fifty-three, so I am go. I am living at that.
0: You're on your way back up, brother. Bingo. Exactly. Exactly. You started out uh, sharing that you you went into this research because of personal questions about am I yeah, doing yeah. doing the right yeah. things at the right time and the whole deal. So now on the other end, you've done the research, you've written the book. For you, what have been the biggest takeaways from from this work?
1: I mean, I think you've seen some of it in that I'm, I'm, I'm actually consciously like I would never, I would have made any kind of medical appointment based on my own availability. Right? And now I'm thinking, or, or, you know, or advised like my, my, my kids or whatever. And now I'm much more intentional about, about that. So you saw, you know, I've seen that, uh, when it comes to my own work, uh, I've changed my own work schedule so that, uh, so I'm a writer and writing is to my mind writing requires an enormous amount of vigilance you have to lock down not be distracted make these words march in formation and um, i do my best work in my analytic work better in the morning than the afternoon so when i'm writing a big project you know book or a long article um i don't even bring my phone into the office in the morning in those mornings uh i don't answer my email i just focus on that one task. It's sort of like a dentist. It's like, I'm going to take, it's block scheduling for writers. Seriously. I mean, I never thought of it that way, but it's block. uh, like, what's, what's, what's my most important complicated procedure. Oh, I have to write 800 words in this chapter. Well, I'm doing that before I do anything else. And, and, you know, closing my email and literally not even bringing my phone with me into the, not even bring my phone into the office and, and and having like a, a, a quota, like a word count um and just do that day after 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 day day day. and then i do my my when i'm on the when i'm on the um asking questions end of interviews i tend to do those in the latish afternoon um because the interviews can be a little bit more freewheeling now you don't always have that kind of luxury
0: right you don't always have that
1: kind of luxury so for this interview here which we're doing at two in the afternoon my time i actually to make sure that I was focused here, I actually took a walk around the block and got a cup of coffee before doing this interview, because I know this is not You my, didn't
0: take a nap before we is did this?
1: Not, this is not <laughs> my, oh, I know that I should have maybe. This is not my ideal time of right. day. And so, but I, like, you know, I had an obligation and because of my own schedule, like this is the one time we could do it. So, right. but, but I have an obligation to your listeners to make sense, right? And- yeah. So how do you do that? Take even a, you know, a micro break, a small micro break can be.
0: uh, You got to take a break in the dental chair today. So it wasn't half bad. Wasn't that much of a break. (laughs) (laughs) So biggest, what would you say is when, when someone gets done reading the book and looking at all the research that took you countless hours to put together, what is the biggest thing that you want them to walk away with? Uh, they should be intentional about their timing
1: decisions and we're not um so um, so we have things to do and we just kind of do them whenever we feel like doing them in the day and that's the wrong way to do it um we we think that it doesn't matter what time of day we do certain kinds of work it matters it matters a heck of a lot and so you need to be intentional about doing the right work at the right time and you see this i mean you mentioned something about meetings before i mean you see if you think about let's get outside of dental care and talk about just the mass economy out there If you think about how people how how much time Americans spend white collar working Americans spend in meetings it's unbelievable and yet the only criterion we use when we schedule meetings in companies is availability right who has a spot on their schedule and is conference room 3c open we don't, we're not intentional about it. We don't say, hmm, what kind of people are gonna be at this meeting? Are there gonna be people who are better in the morning? Are there gonna be people who are better later, later in the day? Do we have a bunch of larks in our office? Do we have a bunch of owls in our office? What kind of meeting is this? Is this a meeting where we need people to be locked down and focused and vigilant? Or is this a meeting that's purely, or is this a meeting where we need to actually be a little bit more freewheeling and brainstorm? Or is this meeting just administrative? Is it about our travel voucher policy? We don't ask any of those questions. We're totally unintentional about it. We just say, who's available? And is conference room 14L open? <clears throat> and and if we're just intentional about these kinds of things, from when we schedule meetings, to when we schedule our medical appointments, to when we sit down to do our most important work, to when we answer our email, what we're going to see is we're going to see improvements in performance, period. And when there, and we should also emphasize the fact that performance and mood are often tied together. So when you feel better, you perform better. When you perform better, you feel better. So if you can actually time your work a little bit so that you're in the right mood for the task and you perform better, that's going to enhance your mood, which is going to enhance your performance, which is going to enhance your mood, which is going to enhance your performance, and you get the the uh, something that you get that virtuous circle rather than the vicious downward spiral that we often get.
0: Be intentional. indeed. So and floss. again,. Um, and floss. And floss. <laughs> so again, uh, the title of the book is "When: The Scientific Secrets of Perfect Timing. Great piece of work, Dan, you know that you are one of my favorite people. Well what thank you. you. I appreciate that. is that uh, I have a, a very exclusive list of required reading. Uh, for our dentists. I keep that list updated on a regular basis. Drive is on that list. Thank you. And when has most recently been placed. Oh, wow. Awesome. Thank you, Steve. Great stuff. I love your research. Thank you. And uh, love the way you communicate. Thanks for sharing with us today. And thanks for uh, giving us some good things that will make our lives better and the lives of uh, countless patients as well. And good luck on the Invisalign. We're going to do an after interview. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful straight teeth Uh when you get done. All right. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me on the show, Steve. Appreciate it.